For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And this week we're talking about 17 again and 18 again. And uh, these movies speak to me because I tried to go back in time to tell my younger self to not watch these movies. Not only was it not successful, I did not learn a heartwarming lesson along the way. All right, guys, time for thumbs up, thumbs down. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm keeping that one close to the vest. <laughs> That's what I like about you. You're always getting me keeping us guessing, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this week we are doing the male version of body transfer movies, kind of like the Freaky Fridays. Uh, 17 again and 18 again. So the 18 again is from then and 17 again is from now. So it's got George Burns and then we've got uh, Matthew Perry for the now. And it's going to be an interesting conversation because... I don't think everyone's going to be on the side of the fence that you think they are on this one. Yeah, then there's going to be discussions for sure. Yes. If you like discussions, you'll probably find some on the Podcast Collective, featuring such shows as I Am Salt Lake, The Dog and Deuce Show, The Portland Beer Club Podcast, Talk Music to Me, and of course, The Red Dead Radio Hour. You're an idiot. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you're looking for some of our older stuff, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are <laughs> podcasting all over the internets. The internet is out. Oh, I almost went to a weird analogy there. Yeah, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com. We are on uh, iHeartRadio, and you can find us on Spotify also. If you want to leave us some commentary, you can give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. Ta-da. Ta-da. Yep, that's what I got. You can get on our... <laughs> All right, was well, it time for thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, get on our Discord, too. Come on, chat with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go to the Facebook, uh, get the link, and come join us in chat. We talk all the time. Yeah, we are. Like we were we, just talk, we about... probably talk too much. And about all sorts of things, like bourbon-flavored maple syrup. Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth, yes. We have an entire Smash Smash Mouth channel. <laughs> yep. Say that three times, Mike. No. <laughs> Not doing that. All Smash Mouth, all the time. That's right. Hey, now. This week in music, movies, and TV. Track. <laughs> all right, so... So I guess the, it was about that time. 
It was about that time. <laughs> I just realized I was muted. <laughs> I thought he was just forcing the issue. He's like, click. I'm not even telling you guys anymore. We're just going. Yeah, you, you, it seemed like you responded appropriately. So I, <laughs> and then I looked down, I was like, oh, the little microphone has a red slash we, through it. We've gotten oh. so used to each other that we could just still carry on the conversation muted. Yep. yep. But yeah, the uh, date we're going for this week is April 17th, 2009. This release date of 17 again. I decided to go with the now this week instead of the then. You cray cray. Uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just got to shake it up, man. Don't do not do that. You got to get wild. No. Get crazy. Go go with the now. <laughs> all right, I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this house. <laughs> we all need a little change. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, uh, <laughs> music, huh? Uh, the number one song in the land was Poker Face by Lady Gaga, which stayed on top for only one week before being knocked off by Boom Boom Pow. By the Black Eyed Peas. Um, somehow was number one for like nine weeks. Followed up by uh, Tonight's Gonna Be a Good Night for like ten more weeks. Yikes. It's rap for people who don't like rap and pop for people who don't like pop. I kind of liked uh, Tonight's Gonna Be a Good Night, but not Boom Boom Pow, not so much. I don't like anything Black Eyed Peas unless it comes with ham. Or Fergie. Unless she's in Planet Terror, then I'm okay with it. Because she died. Spoiler. <laughs> All right, so music producer Phil Spector was found guilty on April 13th of the 2003 murder of actress Lana Clarkson. Spector, who was acclaimed for his wall of sound production techniques, was sentenced to 19 years of imprisonment following uh, the, the following month. God, Blaga. What was that? I felt good about it, and then I dropped the ball. Then you realized you were talking about murder? Eh. It was like you tripped up in the middle of a track meet. <laughs> Ooh. Timely. All right. On April 12th, Carrie Underwood's song, I Told You So, from her album Carnival Ride, topped the country songs chart as her 10th straight number one. She became the only country artist in history to have their first 10 singles hit number one off their first two albums. Pretty impressive. Yep. Hmm. All thanks to American Idol. Smash Mouth. And Smash Mouth. And Guy Fieri. Hey now. And Shaggy Too Dope. Or is it Violent J? No, it's Violent J. Sorry. And finally, music. The Coachella Festival occurred earlier than usual in 2009, April 17th through 19th. The event featured headliners Paul McCartney, The Killers, and The Cure. Other notable performances included Franz Ferdinand, MIA, or Mia, and Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's. And rare appearances from the artists Leonard Cohen, Dr. Dog, and Throbbing Gristle. It's huh. all two words. Uh, the festival <laughs> drew an aggregate attendance of 152,962 people and grossed over $15 million. I love it when you pause and you I can almost hear you in your own head going, what did I just say? <laughs> Throbbing yep. Gristle. Throbbing Gristle. I mean... I was thinking, yeah. like, you know, that was my that was my nickname in college. So there's no Oxford comma there. So is that Doctor Dog and Throbbing Gristle? It my understanding was that was one band. Yeah. Huh. It should hmm. be then. Shouldn't it be from artist Leonard Cohen and Doctor Dog and Throbbing? Yeah, Gristle? yeah. I was realizing that as you we were reading it because I was trying, I was I was trying to edit the the whole paragraph <laughs> so it got down to you know 
So you, I didn't have a dangling word at the end. I do that all the time. I don't like, you know. And I, forgot to, I forgot to put the and back in. What happened? That was, <clears throat> no, that, was that was an editing error. <clears throat> yeah, I want to know because I didn't really look it up. I it just the way it was the it was Eight. one link. So yeah, I thought English Music and Visual Arts Group formed in '75. Uh, but is that the name of the band? Yeah. Doc okay. Well, yeah. no, Throbbing Gristle is the name of the band. Oh, okay, so Doctor Dog oh, is different. Dr. Okay, I thought, I thought it was Doctor yeah. Dog and Throbbing Gristle. Well, I mean that's a, that's totally understandable. I mean Doctor Dog would not perform without Throbbing Gristle. That's what I thought. I mean, I, this was a natural fit. Yeah. In my eyes. That's what I thought. Doctor Dog is an American rock band based out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Granton. They actually sound <laughs> like I might like them. Doctor Dog. Yeah, Dr. Dog. Uh, indie rock styled uh, influenced by bands of the 60s such as the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Hmm. Lo-fi sound, pop sensibilities of indie rock bands of the 90s such as Guided by Voices and Pavement. Like Those, those are uh, all like influences that I'm into. <clears throat> yeah. Well, they're no Dr. Super Robot Monkey. Who is? Right. Who is not even what that cartoon's called. No, but that's what the character on our show is called. Oh. See? You think too much, your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. <laughs> the ice we skate is getting pretty thin. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just recite the song and get the show over with. <laughs> In the morning, I'm making waffles. I'm just quoting the movie now. All right, moving on to movies. A four-day hostage standoff with Somali pirates was ended on April 12th when members of SEAL Team 6 used three simultaneous sniper shots from the bow of a nearby destroyer's flight deck. The fourth pirate, a 16-year-old who had been injured in the initial pirate attack, was taken into custody. This dramatic rescue was later made into a film called Captain Phillips, starring Tom Hanks. Hmm. And I just now realized I forgot to put the number one movie in. No. Hmm. It was 17 Match again. mouth. <laughs> it was Captain Phillips. No, it wasn't. You know you done fucked up when they put three SEAL Team snipers on the deck just to... Uh, yeah, I mean, and... after four days, they're just like, how can we end this in one moment? <laughs> I got three bullets that'll help the whole thing out. They they were in the middle of trying to intimidate uh, Captain Phillips, actually, and they shot a, a shot into the water just as like an intimidation factor. And then it, and all the snipers were like, OK, are we clear to go? Yeah, let's do this. Pap. <laughs> <laughs> On three, boys. One, two. <laughs> all right. Jack Cardiff, OBEBSC was a British cinema cinematographer, ha, director, and photographer. His career spanned the development of cinema, from silent film through early experiments in Technicolor to filmmaking more than a half century later. He was best known for his influential color cinematography in The Red Shoes, A Matter of Life and Death, Black Narcissus, Under Capricorn, and The African Queen, who was also nominated for the Academy Award for Best Director for Sons and Lovers. In 2000, he was appointed as an officer of the Order of the British Empire, as I said, OBE. And in 2001, he was awarded an Honorary Academy Award for his contribution to cinema. Cardiff was the subject of the documentary film Cameraman, the life and work of Jack Cardiff, and the stage play Prism. He died on April 22nd. You're down with OBE? Yeah, BSC. I'm a real boy. Up. Other movies released this week included <laughs> Crank High Voltage. Crank High Voltage, rather. Those are not two separate movies. Nope, one movie. 
State of Play, Gooby, and American Violet. Crank, Dr. Dog. Gooby? What the hell is Gooby? I don't know. It's what happens when you leave Gumby out in the sun too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Gooby, a Canadian, even 11-year-old Willie's childhood toy, Gooby, comes to life as a real, live, six-foot-tall monster who helps Willie through rough times with hair-raising and hilarious adventures. Gooby, dooby, doo. Starring Robbie Coltrane, David James Elliott, Eugene Levy, Matthew Knight. This sounds like quality all around. Well, Eugene Levy is usually pretty solid. Yeah, but he's like five down on the... He probably plays the father or something. He plays Mr. Nerdlinger. (laughs) That checks. (laughs) But right. what's his role in this? What's his role in the movie, though? <laughs> ah, oh, somewhere he just went aw. <laughs> All right, Marilyn Ann Taylor, known professionally as Marilyn Chambers, was an American pornographic film actress, exotic dancer, model, actress, singer, author, and vice presidential candidate. She became famous for her 1972 hardcore film debut, Behind the Green Door. Although she was primarily known for her adult film work. She made a successful transition to mainstream project as mainstream projects and has been called porn's most favorite, most famous crossover. Holy shit! I'm fucking this up. <laughs> on April, you, you smell toast. <laughs> I guess on April twelfth, two thousand nine, Chambers was found dead from a cerebral hemorrhage and an aneurysm related to heart disease. Chambers was ten days away from her fifty seventh birthday. Her, she had 36 credits to her name. Uh, of course, starting out with uh, the owl and the pussycat, and then ending with porn dogs, the adventures of Sadie, where she did the voice of a dog, Yellow Lab, who decides to become a porn star. Typecasting. Starring. Oh my God. Marilyn Chambers, Ron Jeremy, Too Short, Dustin Diamond, Heidi Fleiss, Paul Rodriguez, Tara Patrick, Paul Oteg Ogata as Master Dong. What? The rest of the cast listed alphabetically. Bestiality Girl is played by Anonymous. Probably what killed Marilyn Chambers. What, at least she went out on a high note? Maybe. I don't even know. TV. One shows in the land where American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, and NCIS. Makes sense. That's, that's, that's yeah. sad. Yeah, it tracks. Yeah. On uh, April 16th, sportcaster John Madden announced his retirement from NFL broadcasting at age 73. Also, Bob Barker returned to the set of his former game show, The Price is Right, on April 16th to promote his new book, Priceless Memories. I'm going to pick that up. I bet that's an interesting read. Probably, yeah. I mean, the man probably has some really weird stories doing what he's doing. (laughs) You deal with the public that much? Yeah, you're going to have some stories. Yep. Uh, The TV shows that debuted this week were The Cougar, Pitchman, WWE Superstars, Stranger Among Bears, (laughs) Sit Sit Down, Shut Up, Cake Boss, Iron Man Armored Adventures, and the acronym of the week... TWSP. I'm sure that stands for Tommy Wiseau, shit producer. (laughs) Oh. Oh, 
as true as, <laughs> funny story, Mark. What? As as true as that is, no, that stands for the world's stir, the world's strictest parents, which I've never even heard of. Holy crap! Was Tommy Wiseau in charge of the entire TV lineup for this week? <laughs> for maybe Cake Boss. Yeah, what a what a lineup. Stranger I don't know. I don't know among... what most of these things are. Never even Stranger heard of them. Among bears. <laughs> I hope that's as great as it sounds. I didn't look into these up because I right. just wanted. I wanted us to do this live. So. so, Stranger Among Bears, chronicling the life of Charlie Vandergraw, who for more than twenty years has lived among black and grizzly bears that surround his isolated cabin in the Alaskan wilderness. Okay, so that's like early that's... Tiger King. Maybe. I guess I, there's a bear. It's a brown bear. Another bear over there. That's a black bear. This bear that's eating my arm. That's a black bear. Bear. That over there. Bear. Can't bear it. There's so much bear. Now that lasted for one season. However, the next point, Rock of Love with Brett Michaels, aired its final show on April 19th. That piece of shit lasted for three seasons. Why couldn't they combine Cake Boss and Stranger Among Bears and just call it Cake Bear? And have a bear that ran a cake shop. I'd watch that. I'd bear body. I want to see Brett Michaels be chased by a bear for three seasons. Ah, bear of love. Bear of love. <laughs> Rock of cake bear. <laughs> I think house, we're on to something. We hill, are hill, on the cold. Hill house, house, house hill. All right. And lastly, in sports. At the 73rd U.S. Masters Tournament held April 8th through the 12th at Augusta National Golf Course. Argentinian Angel Cabrera won his second major title. He won a playoff with Chad Campbell and Kenny Perry to become the first Masters champion from South America. Hmm. Harold Norbert Callis was a play-by-play announcer for the Philadelphia Phillies, a position he held from 1971 until his death. Callis was best known, however, as the voiceover narrator for NFL Films Productions. Callis collapsed in the broadcast booth on April 13th, about an hour before a Phillies game, and died later that day. Wow. So even though you guys, I'm sure, are not uh, big fans of the NFL, um, I'm sure you've heard his voice. Because, you know, anytime you've seen a a video play of, like, you know, Walter Payton highlights or whatever, the guy narrating that stuff, that was him. Okay. That, that, that deep voice talking about, on his way to the end zone, that guy. Anyway, I'm sure you've heard his voice at some point. On April 16th, the number one ranked professional tennis player Andy Roddick wed fashion model and actress Brooklyn Decker in Austin, Texas. They're still married. I know who she is. She is gorgeous. I mean, I know that is kind of obvious to say, but... And lastly, Felix Anthony Doc Blanchard was a college football player who was the first ever junior to win the Heisman Trophy, Maxwell Award, and the James E. Sullivan Award, all in 1945. He played football for the United States Military Academy at West Point, where he was known as Mr. Inside. After football, he served in the United States Air Force from 1947 until 1971, when he retired with the rank of colonel. He died on April 19th at 84 years old. Is there any more explanation on that nickname? His father was a doctor, so they just called him Doc as a kid. Uh, Well, I was going to go with Mr. Inside, really. Oh, that one. Oh, that one. <laughs> uh, I don't that, know, but I'm was... assuming I'm assuming it was just because, you know, rather than run to the outside of the line, he just used to just run inside, I guess. 
Yeah. That's my, I don't know. Let's, I mean, that's, let's just go with that. Let's just leave yeah, that there. Because that's, that's, you know, anything, anything other than that, we probably don't want to know. Well, that was fun. <laughs> you want to, you want to play us off this twee keyboard, Joel? Nah, 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 nah. All right. So this is actually kind of weird because there was a, in 1988, there was a swath of, Changing Places with Your Kids movies that came across. The one that we're looking at this week is 18 again. Uh, it, by means of an accident, the soul of David and his swinging grandfather get swapped. There should be quotes around swinging. Uh, while the grandfather's body is still in a coma, he enjoys having a young body again and repairs some facts in David's life who he finds not to be self-confident enough. Thank you, IMDb. For that awful, awful description of this movie. That was that was bad. That was awful. Now it's so David and his grandfather driving in a car. Grandfather just turns 81. They swap places, and grandson winds up in the comatose body of the grandfather while granddad goes out and parties. Pretty much. Uh Roger Ebert at the time gave this score, gave this film a score of one and a half out of four compares it to other movies of the time, like Father, like Son, and Vice Versa, calling Vice Versa the best of the three by far. He said that the project seems to be enveloped in a miasma of good intentions and heartwarming sentiments. There's no edge, no bite, and none of the inspired body language that made Vice Versa so special. The movie makes no attempt at to really imagine what it'd be like to inhabit another body. It just springs the gimmick on us and starts unreeling its sitcom plot. Although Burns is, of course, a beloved institution and any opportunity to see him is welcome, he has not given much to do in this movie and he doesn't do much with it. No real effort has been made to find any differences between Burns and the character he plays in this movie. That's super awkward because Roger Ebert has said <clears throat> back then most of my thoughts on this film. <laughs> so <laughs> this was written by... Paul Flaherty uh, of SCTV Network writing fame. He wrote for Muppets Tonight and the Tracy Ullman Show. Uh, did some stuff with Primetime Glick and the Wayne Brady Show. Uh, also, writing credits go to Josh Goldstein and Jonathan Prince. Now, what does it what does it mean when the, when there's ampersand in between? Ampersand means they're writing partners. Okay, so. But yeah, so Jonathan Prince, a producer of things like Four Weddings and a Funeral, the TV show, something called The Cleaner, American Soul. And uh, he also was a writer on uh, Ask Harriet, Sweet, Sweet Valley High, Blossom. Whoa. No, not that Blossom. Blossom. Oh, no, that's right. 1991. And, yeah, so. No, they're balloons for a party. <laughs> Whoa. In fact, both these guys wrote on Blossom. Uh, this star, true, stars George Burns as Jack Watson and David Watson. Uh, Charlie Shatler as David Watson, Jack Watson also. Um, other things that he has done, he's been in Diagnosis Murder and the Ferris Bueller TV show and something called Kig But Badowski. <laughs> Kig Batowski, yeah. Kig Batowski, yes. So, yeah, if you want to see such a uh, cinematic titan do a George Burns impersonation for 90 minutes. <laughs> I give him credit. He did pretty good. 
I will give him this for more than likely. We've actually heard him before because he's been the uh, long going voice of the flash on all the uh, DC uh, animated movies. Oh yeah. I don't stop watching those. Yeah. Some of us leave it on in the background. Uh, Sarcasm. I've never seen it. Shut up. (laughs) Tony Roberts is Arnie Watson. The Estranged Son. Uh, along with this, he's been in such things as Annie Hall, Serpico, and The Taking of Pelham 123. Not a bad resume. Not at all. No, he's had a career. Yeah, Anita Morris played Madeline, the apparently pedophile. Uh, she's also known for Ruthless People and Martians Go Home, that Randy Quaid classic. In fact, her last movie was uh, Radioland Murders back in 1994. Fun movie. She, she died five years after, the, or six years after this movie. Yeah, she died in 90, 1994 also. So, yeah. Nothing after that. <laughs> it's hard to act when you're dead. True. Uh, Miriam Flynn. Plays I mean, it Betty doesn't stop Martin. Annie McDowell, but, you know. Oh. Shots fired. <laughs> Not sure how we wound up on Andy McDowell, but here we are. Neither did his... I never mind. Uh, so Miriam Flynn plays Betty Watson, known as Cousin Catherine Johnson, uh, Randy Quaid's wife from uh, Christmas Vacation. Also, we've got Jennifer Runyon as Robin Morrison. Now, look at her. It She is like the... Trying to figure out where I had seen her before, because I know I had seen her multiple times before. How many of you looked up to see where you where you know her from? I did. You did? Okay, don't answer. I want to see if the other two can figure it out. Did did she look familiar to you? She reminded me of um uh Terry not Terry Hatcher, uh Oh crap, Terry Farrell. <clears throat> okay. Just her last name was familiar because I was like, Oh, it's kinda like mine. Okay. But... Josh, where do you know her from? That'd be uh Ghostbusters. Yep. She's the girl that uh, uh, is doing the card thing in the very beginning of Ghostbusters. Oh, the psychic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ah. You've got it. I just looked yeah. it up now. Yep. There she yeah. is. So uh, also Red Buttons being Red Buttons. Well, actually, no, this is the third Red Buttons movie that we've done. Got Pete's Dragon, the Poseidon Adventure, and this now. Yep. So we have to change the name of the podcast pretty soon. Yeah, the Red Button Show. For the going on Red Buttons. <laughs> hey. That's better than Red Buttons going on 14. Ew. Yeah. Uh, a George DeCenzo is coach wearing his sweatpants like a sweater. <laughs> that man yep. could not get those pants any higher if he tried. Uh, they were right below I'm, his nipples. Believe me, he was trying. Oh, yeah. There was a lot he's of effort trying. in that one. <laughs> uh, he's also been in Back to the Future, uh, did the voice of Hordak back in the uh, He-Man and She-Ra oh, days, and right. we've seen him in uh, About Last Night. Not too many not too many uh, shows ago. One of uh, the softball Ber- players, I'm assuming? Yeah, I think so. Bernard Folk as the butler. Fox. Horton. Fox, sorry. Fox. Uh who seems like he just plays butlers all the time, honestly. 
Uh, he is uh, Captain Winston Havelock from The Mummy. He was the guy who uh, went on his final flight. Remember the guy in the in the uh, biplane that sunk into the sand? Come on. The Mummy? Eh? I know what you're talking about. I've, I've never seen it. I know what? what you're talking about. He had the giant, like, dirigible or whatever, right? No, he had, he had the biplane. No dirigible. I thought it was a... Don't, don't make this about sex. I don't... I think... I think you're either doing dirigibles or sex wrong. I'm not not sure where I land on that one. The biplane. I'm currently searching dirigibles on Pornhub. How do you know it's a... Never mind. I know where you're going with that, Joel. Kenneth Tigar as the uh, really creepy-ass teacher, Professor Swivet, who should leave his hands to himself. Where have you seen him recently in uh, Marvel movies, Joel? Which guy? Uh, Professor Swivet. Taking your ticket to get into the theater? Nope. No. He was in Avengers. He was the old German man that stood up to Loki in the... Uh, I thought this face looked familiar, but... Sorry, yeah. I was looking up uh, one of your trivia things. I was looking up the dudes. I'm like, I know that guy. Looking up a dirigible? Well, dirigible porn, yeah. All right, and also uh, Anthony Stark who played Russ, uh, also in License to Kill and Return to the Killer Tomatoes. So good for him. Anthony Stark and... was also in The Avengers. Correct. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Last but not least, Pauly Shore. Right? I know. A very, very low-key Paulie Shore. I think the main thing I took away from this movie is it's a way when playing Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon to link Paulie Shore to George Burns. Oh, very good. Give you a little bit of reach there. That I mean, very young. How this was? How old is this guy? Paulie Shore, born in 1968, so he was like in his. He was. He was 20. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, some trivia on this one. Just like I said before, this is a part of a late '80s mini cycle of age swap, body swap pictures, including Big, Vice Versa, Dream a Little Dream. Now, why didn't we do Dream a Little Dream? And uh, like Father, like Son. Could have been worse. It could have been like Father, like Son. Yeah, but. If we if we did dream a little dream, we'd have gotten both Corys. That's why we didn't do it. Some other. This is actually George Burns' last starring role, uh, where he played an eighty-one-year-old when he was actually ninety-one. Ah, playing yeah. a younger man. Because I looked at him, I was like, "Hey, he doesn't look too bad for eighty-one." And then I read that, I'm like, "Damn, go George." Uh, Dean Cameron auditioned for the role of David Watson also. I put his picture in the show notes. I probably have to put it in the notes. Also, to let you know who he is, he played Francis Chainsaw Grimp in the uh, Mark Harmon classic Summer School. Yep, that's why I looked him up. I'm like, I know that guy. I know that face. And then yeah. I was like, oh yeah, now I remember now. He was also in one episode of Always, of, uh, Always Sunny too. So, hmm. Yeah. 
And I'd like to say I have more about this movie, but that is literally all the trivia that I found on it. So when this movie ended and they're walking away on the football field, talking to each other, Laura turned to me and she, <laughs> she was basically giving, feeding me a line that like George Burns next line in that sequence. And he's like, I'm sorry, kid. I saw your dick. And I was just like, that's the one thing I didn't think about about this movie. It's, oh, that's, yeah, that's the first thing you think about. Like, well, you know, look at the junk, obviously. Like, right? what, are we pack, what are we packing down here? <laughs> you are my grandson. Oh, thank God. It skips a generation. Oh. <laughs> uh, made me laugh. So obviously I loved it. I'm not going to say that this movie is by any stretch great, um, but it's just it's a it's a movie that my family watched uh, when it came out in the uh, in the theater, and my dad enjoyed it, my mom enjoyed it, and I was you know I didn't hate it, so um, yeah, it's comfort food, yeah, or junk food. It's it's not anything that's going to you know change your life. It's not high art. It's not you know cinema. But it's but fun. there there, it's there were there were funny moments. I mean, I'm not gonna say it was a good movie, but there were moments that that actually made me laugh. Not like you know uproariously. I wouldn't. I'm, this is not like anywhere near my top comedies of all time. But there were some moments that did make me you know, kind of guffaw, chuckle, whatever you want to call it. You Sensible know? chuckle. Yeah. There was also boobs. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, that was one of the scenes that made me laugh. Like his reaction when she took her, you know, her robe off. It was. I mean. I get the whole. I said I like the painting he did. Yeah, I mean yeah. that was kind of funny. There were jokes. I mean, it was honestly. I think Charlie Shetlandek did a pretty good impersonation of George Burns, for sure. And that's you know, and and the whole time I'm watching it, I'm I'm like you know he's doing a good you know it it feel it feels like he's actually channeling him you know as the character and everything. And then reading the 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 um summary earlier about how it's just watching a guy doing an impression of George Burns, for us, I was like. Oh yeah, that's kind of right, I guess. <laughs> but you know, while I'm watching it, I don't really, I wasn't really thinking about that. Then the voiceovers with George Burns are pretty funny too. I mean, he, yeah. he he's good with the one-liners. I mean, the first one that made me, the okay, I I will say I enjoyed this movie like an after-school special. It was yeah, that was all right. That was entertaining. Not something I'm going to go back to. Spoilers for later, but. There are a couple times, like uh, after they get into the accident, and uh, he's coming to, and he speaks for the first time. What's with my voice? I must, I must have straddled the gear shift. Yeah. I mean, he's got the George Burns banter that goes yeah. on through the whole thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like George Burns's humor is his. You know, he was always funny, but he was never going to be like cutting edge or like you know doing anything really risque or anything. I mean, even his, you know, sexual jokes are still tempered. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was never that kind of guy. He was made, he made his living, his career on being, you know, funny for middle America and entertaining, you know, your average Joe, whatever, you know, and being mostly, mostly not working blue. I mean, sometimes, but, uh, you know, kind of like red buttons and, you know, and red skeleton and all that kind of stuff, you know, just, and he was I'm, good at it. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. he's he he's, he isn't was an entertaining man. And I was just gonna say, I'm never going to say that this movie is a cinematic, you know, masterpiece. And I and to be honest, if we weren't doing this podcast, I probably never would have watched it again. But 
I mean, I did watch it again. I don't, you know, I still don't hate it, but I mean, yeah, it's not great. It's just, it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's like popcorn. You know, it's not really nutritional, but it's fun to eat, you know, without salt or butter. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing is I'm hyping up a little bit how much I dislike this, but the problem is, is this is just painfully average, uh, just kind of a, a schmear that like it could have been any one of a dozen other kind of generic late eighties comedies, only it wasted George Burns. So that kind of downgrades it a letter grade for me. Mm-hmm. I think it wasted him. I think that, you know, his voiceovers were, were the funniest part of the movie. I don't, I don't think that's a waste. It's a George Burns movie in which George Burns barely appears is my point. I mean, at that point, he was 91. Maybe he wanted to lay in bed for most of the movie. Is there any, yeah. Can I just lay here and I'll do the final scenes later? <laughs> really comfy bed. No, I mean, I may agree with you, Josh. I mean, it is it is for people that saw the. And and for myself, I had never seen it before this, and I was kind of disappointed in the fact that I was expecting while I was expecting uh, Charlie Shetler to be doing the George Burns thing and, you know, acting out that way, I was expecting a little bit of George Burns playing out the younger guy, not let's put him in a bed for the whole time. Cause honestly, for a brief moment there, that got kind of dark, especially when they're like, yeah, they're pulling the plug on grandpa. You get better get out there. That got weird. But uh, no, I mean, if I had seen this movie, I would have expected a lot more Burns, even if he's not doing the full, the full thing. I was expect more George Burns in this, but you got some voiceovers, cup, you know, the one letters and all that. It's a, I mean, it was a nice movie. It wasn't anything groundbreaking, and it wasn't anything, you know, the spiciest thing in it. Where the the model taken off her robe, and that was it. I mean, it's a little after school type thing. Not uh... well, I remember <laughs> seeing this as a kid and liking it, and I haven't seen it since I was. 12, 13, I don't know, fairly young. It's fun. I like it. I Would I watch it again? Sure. But would I seek it out to watch it on purpose? Eh, maybe not so much, but if it was on or I was having a moment where I was like, I'm going to watch something to take me back to when I was younger, you know, sitting around on a Saturday afternoon, I might pop it in. Because like I said, it's, it's, it's harmless. It's junk food. It's... Hmm. It's not bad, but it's not good. Yeah, exactly. It's not, you know, it's not good enough to love and it's not bad enough to hate. It just, you know, it's a movie that you just kind of watch and you really, you're nothing it. You have a little, a couple little chuckles, a little whatever. So you're like, okay. And you move on. You don't even really have to like digest it or think about it or anything. Just like, okay, well, that was a hour and a half of entertainment. Yes, it is entertaining. So, Pat, what is Omaha poker? Well, it's not what they were playing. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah, going to ask you. Say, that I've played Omaha. That's not what they were playing. Yeah, they were playing five card draw. Omaha is like Texas Hold'em, where you get two cards down, but instead of two, you get four. It's, oh, you know, okay. You have to play two cards in your hand and three on the board. That's their basic Omaha rules, right there. Okay, but they were yeah they were not playing Omaha. I'm pretty sure he made up most of those other games. Yeah, because I'd never heard of any of those. And also, my whole thing that I was wondering is like, at the end of that scene, 
they made this deal to like, okay, we're going to bet a thousand dollars on the, on the race. Well, then what happens to all that money in the middle of the table? Like who? Right. Like, I was like, okay, well, somebody still has to like decide what happens to this pot. <laughs> There's going to be well, about four other guys at the table. They're going to be real pissed off if somebody doesn't happen with that. Well, they'd already folded. So I think the whole idea was there's $500. Neither of them is going to claim it. They're going to take that 500, whoever's it is, and double it. And that's the new pot for the race. But, okay. oh, they're just taking it out of play. I got you. Taking it out of play. And whoever's it is, it stakes half of the new bet. Well, then that would be pretty much the uh, the last hand of the night, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. I looked up uh, uh, the thing about Harry S. Truman, and that was made up too. So I, I'm not surprised they just had him spout off some games to make him sound like he was an experienced player, you know? Yeah. Because I wouldn't know if you didn't tell me. I mean, honestly, if George Burns told you something, wouldn't you be like, I mean, it's George Burns. It's like, okay. All right. I yeah, mean, I, mean, is, uh, I, I don't have a whole... Oh, go ahead. You know, I'm, I was going to say what you're about to say. There's just not a lot to say. I mean, we okay, we watched it. It was, you know, George Burns doing his George Burns things and everybody else, you know, was there. And, you know, we it it doesn't it doesn't deserve any kind of hate or love. It's just it's just there. OK, my question is, what about that? Uh, I posted it to the chat and our <laughs> the Drew, the, the Amish Drew that was hanging out in there. The guy with the mutton chops and the Drew outfit with no shirt. Well, that whole scene in general was just weird. It's like, if you're that uncomfortable and if it's changed that much, just leave. Go somewhere else. And then you don't get karate kicked in the face. I know, right? Yeah, I'm looking through a bunch of 80s comedies. And like like Pat said, there's not much to say because this was just painfully average. Like there's... I've uh, filtered through about... 50 other 80s comedies that I would watch before I'd devote another two hours to this. Yeah, I mean, I, I I remember watching this when I was young, but I didn't, I remember it being better, to be honest with you. I thought it was funnier than this. I mean, it. I still enjoyed it and laughed. I watched it with my mother and it kind of, you know, brought her back too and she enjoyed it. I mean, so I don't regret watching it, but I'm never, I'm never going to watch it again. Well, Did she cover your eyes when the boobs popped up? She tried to, but I pushed her down. Damn. Uh, <laughs> we enjoyed watching, I and mean, we watched both of them last night back to back. And uh, why we were standing back to back watching them, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, that joke belongs in 18 again. <laughs> but we both, you know, had a good time with it, and that's that's that's. I think that's all it really set out to do, and I think it accomplished that. It was a movie. It's an interesting piece of trivia that you know now what was George Burns' last movie. It's not the best movie to go out on, though. Rare, well, rarely do people get to go out on their best movie. Right, yeah. like, like uh, 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 M. Raul, M. Yep. Raul <laughs> Julia, yeah. Either that or uh, John Candy in Wagons East. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think we're calling was Chris Farley's last movie, Black Sheep. Uh, no, it was Wag- Wagons East. Yeah, same. Oh, that's right. He would have the. He was the. Yeah. Ugh. 
That what did I say? Cursed. I meant Chris Farley. If I said John John Candy, I meant Chris Farley. Sorry. It was John Wrong. Candy's last movie too, right? Wasn't it? They were both in it. Oh, I don't yeah. know. That's a good question. Let's look it up real quick before we go to break. John, Can- John Candy's last movie. John Candy. Piece of candy. Oh, piece of candy. <laughs> oh, piece of candy. Are you looking uh, it up or are you just going to quote Canadian, James? Canadian Bacon was 1995 is when it came out. Wagons East was 94. Yeah, Wagons so, East was released after Canadian Bacon, though. Yeah, but I, I... So it just depends on how you want to look at it. I think you're right. I think it was. No, I they mentioned that in Home Alone. That Wagons East was released after. Really? Yep. Unless they lied in the, in the making of Home Alone. Yeah, it was just John Candy. It looks like... Uh... Chris Farley's last film was Oh, Almost Heroes. It was Almost Heroes, yeah. I'm dumb. Okay. Yep. That's that I was picturing the cover and I was seeing the other one, but now okay. I was wrong. I got him wrong. You're not an all-star. No, I'm just a Shrek. Only shooting stars break the mold, Joel. All right, I'm calling that. I'm a real boy. Stop it. We're taking a break. Taking a break, we're back in a little bit, and we're going to talk about 17 again. Because it has the same words in the title as the previous movie. I'm going to piss on everything you love. All right, now we're going to talk about 17 again, the 2009 blockbuster hit. Uh, one Mike O'Donnell is an ungrateful for how his life turned out. He gets a chance to rewrite his life when he tries to save a janitor near a bridge and jumps after him into a time vortex. As you do. Yeah, that's a thing. You know. I mean, strangely enough, that's not a bad synopsis. Not at all, really. It's, you know, I mean, he's right. That's exactly what happened. But- it- yeah, sort of. he's technically correct. <laughs> yep. So this is directed by Burr Steers. Uh, known for... Now, if, Joel, if I say in Pulp Fiction he was Roger, do you know who I'm talking about? Does not ring a bell, no. Okay. Well, he also did uh, some episodes of The L Word, Weeds, uh Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, he directed. And then in 2018, he did Elemental Hydrogen versus Hindenburg. Oh, <laughs> check out the big brain on Brett. No, he was the guy on the couch in Pulp Fiction. That was Roger. Oh, with the um, adrenaline shot? The, no, the stoner guy. No, no. Shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did I break your concentration? Oh, Flock of Eagles? Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's written by Jason Filardi who has written such things as Bringing Down the House with Steve Martin and Queen Latifah. Oh, I, I knew I knew what that was. Came and went. Yeah. Uh, and TV movie called Back Nine about golf. Uh, produced a couple things. It's also the, in The Craft, 1996, where he was a paramedic. And uh, that's about it. So, 
This stars a one Zach Efron as Mike O'Donnell, Leslie Mann as Scarlet, Thomas Lennon as Ned Gold, Matthew Perry as the adult Mike O'Donnell, Tyler Steelman as Ned Gold as a teen, Allison Miller as teen Scarlet, uh, Sterling Knight as Mike O'Donnell's son, Alex, and Michelle Trettenberg as her, his daughter, Maggie. And then Principal Jane Masterson, probably was my favorite part of this whole movie, was Melora Hardin. So, yeah. Is this the first viewing for all of us, I'm assuming? First and last. Are we doing <laughs> triv- trivia or no? We are. Sorry. Got ahead of myself. Uh, trivia. So during the end of the filming, Zach Efron had appendicitis. At first, Thomas Lennon advised Zach Efron that it was, in fact, a bad wind and advised him to hang upside down to cure it. Huh. What? What? <laughs> so. Okay. Apparently, Zach, he went, Zach Efron told him, maybe you just got gas, hang upside down, you'll fart a lot. I've got bad wind. I've got the bad winds. <laughs> so, with well, the I'm I'm, I, I highly doubt that's the phrasing he used. That's just what they typed up in the trivia. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Josh has the bad I mean, wind. He's not an old English gentleman. Josh doesn't have bad wind, he's got the breath of death. His second suggestion was leeches. <laughs> so, <laughs> ah. so it started out as a stomachache, led to him checking it out after filming and having surgery all in the same night. Wow. Uh, Zach Efron called on Matthew Perry for help on his lines and mimicking some of his movements to give it more authentic performance. Okay. Uh, after Mike's party, this may have been one of my favorite scenes. Ned Gold slaps Mike three times. After the third slap, Zach Efron's face is visibly red on the left side. It's not a lot of trivia on this place. Not a lot of trivia here. For some reason, they decided to ship this movie with a code word. So they called it Rewind when they sent it out to the theaters. Because I'm sure they were worried about people attempting to steal the latest. Yeah, because honestly, act- this was at Zach Efron's like, like prime heat. This was directly after High School Musical. It would, and it was his first Hollywood movie. So, yeah, it would actually it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is actually kind of impressive. Visual effects were not used when Zach Efron was doing the basketball tricks during the cafeteria scene, and he actually did all of them on his own. Huh. Uh, wow. Surprised. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm not. I am. A, I, thought that, I thought it was CGI. No. As a father of two girls who have this weird, weird obsession with those movies. I've the, seen them too. Same. Yeah. The camp, camp, whatever, not another teen that we went to the store and went to Goodwill once. And she, my, uh, Sophie found, um, what, one of these movies, it was like the super deluxe collector's edition for a buck 99. And you had thought that she had found pure gold. <laughs> don't get it. I mean, I, I won't lie. There will be some weekends where they will decide that they're going to do a high school musical like all weekend. I don't know why. I got no idea. I just don't go in the living room for the entire weekend. Um, Also, this had a (laughs) this is in the trivia. It has a similar title and premise 18 again from 1998, but it's not acknowledged to be a remake. Also, the movie is a little different in that it has a 37 year old becoming his 17-year-old self again, whereas 18 again has an 81-year-old man swapping bodies with his 18-year-old grandson. See, I told you. Yeah, they both have the word again in their name. 
Yes. That is not it's, the only that is not the only thing they have in common. He doesn't swap bodies though. Nope. Yep. No swapping. He doesn't swap bodies. He's okay, but that's still it's like finding out you know what it would be like to be back in a young body again and you know the all that crap. But but it's not like you're oh I'll see having, to, having to prove that you're the person that you know the, the older person in a younger sure. body having to prove I'm that to people. see what life is like for my 17 year old grandson blah 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 or I'm gonna be 17 again and know what it felt like again. Not a big deal. I mean, well, but I'm just saying that they do have that in common. I mean, it's not just the titles they have in common. There's no body swapping. No Joel, body you, swapping. I you... fully say that. I never said these were body swapping movies. Well, 18 again. I'm about to rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Wait, wait, is that an option? <laughs> <laughs> of all like, all... I like that years ago. I'd like of to all... go back to my hour ago self and rage quit. <laughs> Of all the things that destroy the podcast, 18 <laughs> again. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll just start. I enjoyed this movie and fuck you guys. <laughs> I, I didn't. Oh, really? I, I didn't think this movie was horrible. I I mean, what, what 100% saved it for me was Thomas Lennon. I mean, I love Thomas Lennon and he was funny in this movie. Ugh. And then. Oh, shut your face. Oh, it's got the same. <laughs> humor as big bang theory only amateurish he wasn't bad but every scene he was in was fucking cringe i don't under i still don't understand the hatred for big bang theory i read all these things on everybody always bitching about it online i talk to you guys about it whatever and it's i don't see the insult i just don't see it it's not just the insult it's like i like actual jokes not he he nerds think they're people too and that's not what they're doing. I think you're just getting your hackles raised for no reason. No, he's you're not. you're seeing offense where there isn't any. Have you ever tried to watch that show without the laugh track? Yeah, yes. I've seen all those clips, and yeah, of course it's not as good. But I mean, I'm not saying it's high comedy. I'm but I'm <clears> saying it's not an insult. All right, I'm saying they first off in the very beginning of the movie they couldn't possibly have said this is in the '90s more than they did when he was when he jumped in there with the cheerleaders. Because they played Bust Move, and then they did the Kid and Play and the Hammer Dan. I like. I thought that was funny. Yeah, eighty nine. Uh, it was set in eighty nine, but yeah, that's that's similar to my experience. That would have been my freshman year, and those were both like that whole Kid and Play, Bust a Move. That was pretty big when I was in high school. Yeah, yeah. and then Josh here. I'm going to try and see Josh I, if we agree on this one. First off, what the hell kind of girlfriend decides that she's going to tell her boyfriend that he's right? Right? Yeah, that was fucking. What the fuck? I was mm, immediately that... angry about that. Yeah, same. That, that, yeah, bullshit. That the was most important game that you know it's going to gauge whether or not he gets a scholarship, whether or not his entire future is on this game, and you're going to go, hee hee, I'm knocked up. Yeah, I mean, even if you just now found out yourself and you're emotional and you're whatever, you know how important this is. Just say to him, I just found out I'm flunking history. And then you can talk later. Like, yep. Or tip-off is not the time to be like, oh, I'm pregnant. If you don't think you can control yourself, take the game off and explain why you'll have a good fucking reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's some horrible writing. Let's just be honest. E- either she's a bad person or that's horrible writing. I'm going to go with bad person. Well, they needed a, a a way to a hook. Yeah, get sure. them going to bring it back. You know, and she's a bad person, and he harps on it for twenty years, which makes him a shit tier person. 
Right. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. She also doesn't know how to use a um, a wood chipper either. She was throwing shit in the wrong end. Gonna leave that there. Uh, although every time Leslie Mann was on the screen, I kept going fucking French toast. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't. You guys haven't seen the the forty year old virgin? Yeah. I and I remember her specifically from that. I just don't don't remember. This is one of the lines the drunk girl shouted in the car after the, after oh, the accident. Yeah. She Especially, was, she was in the car and she was drunk as hell, and she kept going, "I want some fucking French toast." Huh. Anyway, mm. see, I remember uh, her more from like "So This Is 40. Oh, I gotta watch that, dude. If you haven't seen it, you really should. It's I very just, good, but but uh, don't depressing. drink while you watch it. Yeah, it's depressing, <laughs> but it's good. Oh, good to know. It's a sequel um, to Knocked Up, sort of. I will tell you this, that if any of you ever see that tiki bowl that Ned was eating his cereal out of with the three Moai heads around, grab that for me. I want to eat my cereal out of that every morning. Okay, this is my point. Oh, Jesus. Right, right here. <laughs> Got so you, you guys you guys want to say, like, <clears throat> oh, they're, they're shitting on our culture, but right there, you would have that bowl if you could. If you had the money he had, you would have the life. You would fill your house with the shit that he fills his house with. Yeah. That's not an insult. That's just, I mean, I if, never I had, I was if I was... No, I'm what? talking about the whole, you know, like comparing this to Big Bang Theory, saying it's the same type of thing of it's making fun. It's making fun of us instead of laughing with us. I never I mean, compared this to the, Big Bang I Theory. Have, I have had the conversations with you, gentlemen, that, yeah. that you say that that you mock on on Big Bang Theory. I'm like, that's not in, that's not disingenuous. This is completely different. This is okay. So Ned in this movie, I, I'm guessing he became a, a comic artist. No, no he's a he, software, software okay, engineer. Okay, fine. Yeah. He's a software engineer. Made buttloads of money he designed his house like all of us would do if we were suddenly amazingly rich single and were able to do it bought yeah. a ferrari bought that fine that's great that's not a bunch of people living in the house all poking fun at uh nerddom on a uh, on a sitcom for canned laughter hey uh pat i'm just gonna raise my hand here real quick i've never seen an episode of the big bang theory and i've never said anything good or bad so so please leave me alone i'm gonna pull <laughs> myself out of that part of the conversation <laughs> I've well, never watched this. Fuck show. you for other reasons. The <laughs> only I thing could. I've ever seen are the Doctor Who references on Doctor Who sites, just the clips. I want a light speeder bed. <laughs> right? How dumb is that? I would totally love a light speeder bed. I mean, I would get that thing. If I had the money, buy that thing, put it in there, Suzanne come in there, be like, all right, fine. I guess we're sleeping in a light, a light I, speeder bed. Well, I would I would put it in my guest bedroom and then make, yeah. make my guests sleep in it. I, you know. Okay, what would your bed be? Sand speeder. Oh, I have one of those ten thousand dollar like a custom made motherfucker with the horse feathers and shit in it. I mean, I would, I would have a bed for kings if I was horse a millionaire. This is yeah. And when horse the... hair, I don't know. <laughs> horse feathers. Horse feathers. I went Marx Brothers there. Marx's okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> It's st stuffed with all the mustache hair from Groucho Marx. Let <laughs> me redirect this because this wasn't a. All this shit in this guy's house was not meant to say, hey, let's look at this guy and how awesome his life is. This guy was clearly being portrayed as someone who's fucking pathetic. I disagree. I really do. And I didn't find anything about, like, I thought some of the stuff he owned, like individual pieces were cool, but I didn't find any of it funny. Like, just the existence of a bunch of D&D &D stuff in a room isn't hilarious to me. I don't think that they were necessarily making a joke out of that. I mean, that's just... That's then just why his, is it there? Because that's the character. That's his role. That's his... I mean, 
he's a nerd that has money, so he lives a life like that. I don't see an issue with it. Because one hundred percent, we would have that. It, he got out of he got out of high school. He went to college. He made it big, and he did what he wanted to do. That's the way I saw this. How is that Ned reached a point where he just didn't give a shit anymore and was like, "Fine, I'm super rich now. If I want a light or sand speeder bed, I'm going to have one. I'm going to have lightsabers. I'm going to have axes above my kitchen cabinet. Why? Because I'm rich and I can do it, and I want to. That's and, what I saw about this house. Dude, yeah, but a, oh, go. I was oh. just going to say his characterization, the way he tries to seduce the principal shows that that is not his character at all. He is not at all self-assured in who he is. It's not until he finally accepts himself at the end that he gets the girl, which is fine. Like I didn't have a problem with that part of the message, but like, that's not who he was all along. The movie makes that explicit. No, no, he definitely wasn't, but he see, here's the thing is that, while he did get all the cool stuff that he's always wanted, he never had the interaction. See, so he was learning. He was learning this interaction because he was finally in a point where he would like, like in the very beginning, I'm not getting into this mess. I'm not getting into this mess with you, uh, Mike. I'm not doing this with you. And then he winds up having to play his father and then falls for the falls for the principal. I mean, that it's it's not that he was always like going out and continually doing this every weekend. It was just, he never had a reason to go out. He never had a reason. I mean, look at, I mean, guy was playing flight simulator and world of Warcraft and eight other games all at the same time. I mean, that's what the guy did. He was happy in what he did until he saw the principal. And then he was like, Oh wow. I, you know, he liked her, wanted to know, you know, wanted to get it with her, but he didn't know how. And that's what I think is what we saw. I mean, initially, I'm sure the guys in the very beginning, I never got that he was depressed or felt like he was out of it. He was just a dude living his life. He wanted a house like this. So he bought a house like this. Uh, and can we just say he kind of proved a, a, a fun little point that having all that shit is good, because if you have somebody break into your house, you got a lot of fucking weapons. He nearly took him out several times there. That lightsaber battle that they had with those short one right there. That was pretty good. And I also have to make a point that I really like the fact that they didn't go with the trope of the jock being a part of the one that the, the head jock, I should say, being one of the guys that's picking on the, the scrawny little nerdy kid that, you know, is the, the water boy that plays D&D. He actually was it was his best friend and he was legit, legitimately cared about him. And I thought that was a nice change, despite your guys's argument. On both sides, I that, I just thought it was a nice little touch. Yeah, I, I also thought it was weird that they decided to go with thirty five as the cutoff for how incredibly out of touch somebody is with high schoolers. I, I guess there are some people who are like that, but it was just weird, especially coming from someone who is eighty trying to relate to someone who's eighteen to someone mm. who's thirty five trying to relate to someone who's seventeen. Well, also think how much has changed between nineteen eighty nine to 20 2009 for sure and i'm not saying the average 35 year old is totally hip and with it mm-hmm. it was just it was a kind of a, a whiplash but he, he should have been a little more in touch considering at his last job every girl there was in her early 20s and he's right. got two two yeah. teenagers or yeah. you know two and for mike you know as well as i do that when you have those kids around you can't help but pick up on and get into and 
Well, they he made a point like of showing him. that his his daughter was completely shut off. They made a point of that. Oh, and yeah. he was kind of a shitty parent, so he probably didn't pay much attention to. Okay. I don't know. It's hard to get away from some of that when you have kids in the in the house. No, but you know, oh, and not if you try, Joel. Just give it an effort. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Well, here we go. Time to disconnect from the kids. Yeah, ignore them and complain about your life. Yeah, which that... is, was Matt Perry's entire role until the final scene. Right? Yeah, what a what a strange line to take for a char- for your lead character. Now, I want to call out the biggest truck size hole in the plot that I saw this. M- Mike O'Donnell was in this high school, was a star performer, ran off the field, married his high school girlfriend because he got her Court. pregnant. Court, whatever, dude. Shut up. <laughs> I'm never sharing my sand speeder bed with you. Oh! <gasps> Okay, yeah. he married his court. Go on. Married his court. <laughs> but never left the town that he went to high school. He becomes his teenage self again. There is no fucking way everyone in town is not going to recognize this kid. There's no way Jim Gaffigan is not going to look at him and go, Jesus Christ. Right? That was the one thing that kind of threw me. Is like, How did he not even like make a comment about that? He didn't even flinch. And the other side of it is Scarlett is going to go have to go through freaking therapy. Right? <laughs> what the hell? Nearly two decades have passed, so... Well, Scarlett's going to have to go through therapy. How about the daughter? That <laughs> oh was God. uncomfortable. Yeah. That A little part bit was of back to the future action there, huh? She, uh, yeah. yeah, she tried to bang her dad pretty pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, in her defense, he was, he is pretty hot. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, not changing teams for him. If my dad was that hot, he would have been in trouble. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> no. Wow. Uh, what I will say is pretty cool is that a kid, and he kind of did that. This kind of happened. But a kid living your entire life in the town that you went to high school in, you go back to high school at 17 years old with all the knowledge that you have of all these kids' parents. This kid should be wreaking psychological havoc on the whole school. I mean, the stuff, probably just the crap that he knows about what his their parents did when they were in high school would just completely screw with all the other students in the school. So, you know what I saw your mom do? Yeah. You know what your mom it's, did to me? Yeah. Uh, you know what happened in this bathroom? The, the, the premise of the movie, I felt, was less 18 again and more almost like it's a wonderful life or, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know. Something along those lines. There was another movie we came up with when we were watching it. I'm drawing a blank now what it was. But there were two movies where like... it's Joe's Apartment. Good Lord. That's a weird reference to Paul. What? I haven't thought about that. Towel. Towel's got the phone. I haven't thought about that movie in years. I still remember that song about the funky towel. Sweet Jeebus. You're welcome for the random pop culture pool. I'm 17 again. I wouldn't even call that pop. <clears throat> wow. Okay. Now, going back to the mental mental uh, case that the wife is going to be. So, you just divorced. You're in, plan- you're in the process of divorcing your husband. You're going out for the first date you've been out in a while. This kid shows up, puts on the song that you freaking dance to at your wedding, completely out of the blue. I just, I personally, and she's I, the only one that has noticed that he looks exactly like he, right him. So yeah, that's got to fuck with you. I mean, cause especially because nobody else is acknowledging it. These are other people that went to school with this guy. Why does nobody else remember? Does nobody have a yearbook? <clears throat> right, and well, they don't show that picture from the yearbook until the very end of the movie. I'm like, that would have been the first thing I'd be pulling out. 
Yeah. I want to I'm gonna see Leslie Mann in the town square with a yearbook going, look. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. She's like Donald Sutherland at the end of Invasion <laughs> of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Two decades pass, roughly, not quite. And you see somebody again that you went to in high school. I, I don't know if you're going to automatically be like, oh, my God. No, I, t- I tell you right now, if like the my starting quarterback you know, at 18 years old was suddenly standing in front of me, I would notice. Mm. I remember what that dude looked like, of course. And this was the star player. It's not like he was like the, you know, the guy eighth on the bench. I'm more shocked when I see how some of those people look now. Like if I haven't seen them in 20 years and all of a sudden they pop up on my Facebook. Like right? I remember exactly what they looked like in 1993. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is 100%. Yeah, I would not. Rec- I, I have a much, much higher chance of recognizing them if they put, appeared in front of me looking like they did than if they appeared looking like they are now. That's right. that's 100% true. Some nice meth teeth. <laughs> it happens. Also, so, yeah, that, that is a big, a big plot hole that more people should recognize him. Right especially the two people that should be getting together. I mean, first off, Scarlet and the coach should be sitting in, sitting in a diner in the middle of the night like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> he called me Scar. Yeah, he called me Scar. They played the music that we danced to at our wedding. Why would that kid know that? You know, and... It, why did I, I have the same conversation the coach is all, why did I have the same conversation with him about the scout 20 yeah. years ago that I just did today? <clears throat> you know, and especially it's not like this that's not like mike and during the in the past he played the game did terrible and just sort of faded out he walked off walked yeah. off in the middle of it that is something a coach is going to remember second a major save out. point right <laughs> and it, it's a little um convenient that the coach was retiring that year yeah yeah little convenient i did think about that when you know at the very end when they said he was going to be coached like i mean they could have easily not written that in and just make him assistant coach it could mm-hmm. i mean it's it's that simple so yeah you don't yeah. you don't need to make up you know contrivances like that well and in my brain i'm like okay he goes back he realizes you know he's made some mistakes he comes to terms with terms with it has a better relationship with his kids gets back together with his wife gets his confidence back walks into his office you know takes the job that he wanted or better and teaches the guy with the fucking Bluetooth headset, a lesson. That's more what I expected. That's what the typical Hollywood ending in my brain should have been. I felt I was like, I felt like it was a little of a cheat to just have him take over the role as the coach, but that's what you saw in your mind grapes. That's right. I remember. Oh, wait, those are member berries. Now I, what else do I have in my notes? <laughs> Joe's got- apartment. We've got some back, yeah. <laughs> got some back to the future strangeness going on. Let's all slap Zach. Um, yeah, yeah I was, that was a funny scene. I, I yeah. like that a lot. Well, and I was like, okay, there's one more coming. And he did it. I'm like, there it is. And then he did one more after that. I'm like, I was not expecting that. Yeah. Was, from the look on his face, Zach wasn't expecting it either. <laughs> like, didn't it? It was, I have to say, there was some good timing on that, on that scene. And I, what did I wrote? I wrote clever play on the letter. What the hell does that mean? In the courtroom? Yeah, maybe when uh, uh, the letter was blank and that's how she figured it out. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. I had, now I know what that meant. Good for you. I'm helping. <laughs> but are you really going to be, as a as a, as a a rational per- adult human being, going to be like, 
my my husband must have reverted back to being 17 again. Well, I mean, it's one of those things when all uh, what what is the what is the how how does it go, Josh? When everything else has been removed, the Sherlock Holmes quote. When everything yeah, else... I know what you yeah. When all possibilities, uh, when all other possibilities have been eliminated. Yeah, so, yeah. Now I can't remember it either. The the truth, however ridiculous, must be yeah. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Like yeah, if everything else has been eliminated, and no matter how crazy the crazy it sounds, it must be yeah. the truth. Yeah, isn't exactly. It, isn't that um, Occam's Razor also? No, Occam's Razor is a little bit different. But okay. yeah, that, that's a Sherlock Holmes. Schrodinger's okay. cat. Yeah, like that. But no, I mean, it. It. I won't say I I didn't think mm. I hated this movie as much as Josh apparently did. <laughs> I don't I, think that's physically possible, honestly. But I don't know. I felt kind of the same way about it as I did 18 again. It was harmless for the most part. It was, you know, funny at times. It was a popcorn fodder. I'm probably more likely to watch 18 again instead of this one, but huh. Huh. I, I don't hate the fact that I watched it. Like I said uh, at the beginning of the of this segment, I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed this more than I was expecting to. I think that uh, Zach Efron actually pulled things off pretty well. You know, Matthew Perry, while he wasn't in it long enough, I think there he was still Matthew Perry enough while he was on there, especially, you know, at the end when he picked her up and he's like, all right, can't do this as long as I used, you know, there were that, you know, the age jokes at the end. It was it was good. I mean, it's, you know, we're not looking at, uh, you know, amazing cinema cinema here, but. Uh, it was all right. Was I mean, there were like... obvious there were obvious problems. I mean, it's you know it's not going to win any awards and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it it was entertaining. It was a good showcase for Zac Efron and his uh, skills and what have you. And uh, Leslie Mann is almost always enjoyable to me. I yeah. like her. You know, yeah. So I, I mean, I, if we're ready for it, I'm I'm ready to give thumbs up on everything. All right, and Patrick, <laughs> I'm I'm going to catch you here because this actually has won awards oh what is it won it won the <laughs> bmi film music award for music a nominee well nominee nominee nominee, Wait, nominee what is award? bmi i don't know big music intestines <laughs> usually that's the body mass index which shows right? how fat you are <laughs> right that's what i'm thinking i'm like they have awards i mean they might because he had a shirtless scene yeah. that might be a thing but zach efron for this movie won Choice Movie Actor and Choice Movie Rockstar Moment in the Teen Choice Awards 2009. All right. Well, uh, I'm not my, surprised. My bad. The award winning yeah. 17 again. Say it's it not, right. <laughs> I want to give it its just dues. It's not, you know, it's it's not, it's not great cinema. It's not, you know, no. but it's not awful by any stretch. And it's, it entertained me. This is the second time I've seen it to answer your question from before. Ooh. And I, I didn't mind watching it again. Going going into it, I knew I was going to enjoy it because I enjoyed it the first time. My dad and I watched it together in our living room. And then you swapped bodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only I could have. I see what you did there. <laughs> Wait, are you really Patrick? Uh, sadly, yes. Oh. I'd be doing a lot more if I was my father. He was a... Anyway, yeah. Nice let's, not end this, let's not end this on this note. Thanks, Joel. Down this road. Drive down to Texas and <laughs> kick him in the nut while you're at it. <laughs> All Shrek. right. Shrek. Yeah. Fall back on Shrek. <laughs> hey, no.
So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say thumbs up for both of them. And I'm sure everyone's going to be shocked when I go thumbs down for both of them. Uh, I'm I'm going thumbs up for both of them as well. I'm I'm going to go thumbs up for both of them. I enjoyed them. Not something I'm going to be digging out, you know, digging for later, but thumbs up. And I actually, uh, I own the DVD for 17 again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you want to give your opinions on these awesome movies, <laughs> let us know and give us a call at 708 now wrap. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And again, looking for our older stuff. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Blueberry Stitcher, all over the web, including Spotify and iHeartRadio. And uh, next week, Joel, what do we got? 21 jump street they don't say street no i don't what i was gonna say i'm interested for this show because i've never seen street i watched that series from start to almost finish even the richard frico years yep Hmm. i was a fan i loved i loved johnny depp i was like i was a fan i am with patrick i've never seen the original tv show and the movies a little bit yeah uh, both the movies are fucking <laughs> funny. So if you've not seen them, I've seen you... the first movie. I haven't seen the second one. Oh, uh, second one is just as good as the first one. If, if you like the first one, I did. So yeah, we've got a spread all over the place because I saw a little bit of the show, and I've seen neither of the films. Wow, we did cover all the bases. Wow, wow, that's pretty cool. I don't know how we did that. Well, it's like we planned it. <laughs> Plan. Yeah, plans are for suckers. Never attribute to malice, which can be explained by inequity. I said that wrong, but you know what I mean. Yes. 100%. Ineptitude. That's what I'm that's the word I meant. So there. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Come back tomorrow when we get our jump on. Tomorrow? Tomorrow? Could be. Never know. And that's Hanlon's razor that Mike was going for. Hanlon's razor. See? That was some sort of cutty thing. <laughs> it's one of those razors. <laughs> Some sort of raisin. Is there a Shrek emoji? Shrimo- it's a Shrimp emoji. Yep. I'm sure there has to be. I mean, you can make your own emojis. Somebody's I thought it'd be. A, I thought it'd be an emoger. Huh? Huh? You get it? Because he's an ogre? You get it? It's an emoji of an ogre. It's an emoger. Get it? Waka waka! <laughs> I was gonna keep I was gonna keep going until I got someone. <laughs> you ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. Oh, oh. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.